My name is Kathy Connor. I'm one of the pastors at First Pres, and we are so glad that you came. Wouldn't you agree that in the days leading up to the Stanley Cup final and the win, that our city was just infused with a heightened sense of expectation? Well, I want to invite you to spend the next hour with a heightened sense of expectation that God who created you wants to speak to you. He wants to heal you and bring encouragement into your life. If this is your first time at First Pres, welcome. And we want you to know that we would consider it a privilege to serve you and care for you in any way that you might need it. At First Pres, we're about building real relationships and doing life together with God. We believe that that will lead to real transformation, the kind of transformation that brings newness into every part of your life. So if you would, please fill out the Connect card. There are cards in the pews. You can scan this QR code. It will take you directly to the card on our website. That will enable us to care for you, to pray for you, encourage you, and help you get connected in to the life of the church. Please pray with me now. Heavenly Father, thank you for reminding us to come into this place with expectation that you were here waiting for us to arrive. You invited us into this very day because you want to infuse your love and your grace and your goodness in healing mercy into our lives. You want to fill us up so that we might 
spill out into the world and bless the world with the love that you've given us. Oh Lord, we want to leave here knowing that we've been blessed because of your love, enabled then to bless others. Jesus, there are many in our midst who are hurting this morning. We think about Chris Bolin, who lost his grandmother this week and traveled to North Carolina to celebrate her life. Lord, we pray for Jonathan Hutabara, whose father died of COVID Saturday morning in Indonesia, and now he can't even get there to be with his family. We thank you, Lord, that he is here this morning with us so that we can surround him with our love and care. Lord, we think of Keely Lynn and her family as her father's in the hospital right now with heart issues and kidney stones, needing surgery. We're asking for your healing grace over him and over them as a family as they care for him. Lord, we also pray this morning for Angie Boyer here with us this morning, whose mother is in her last days with hospice care. We pray that you would buoy Angie, strengthen them as a family as they love her mom and they send her to you. Lord, we continue to pray for the Baldy family, knowing that in the loss of Joanne, grandmother and mother, that it's just so hard and they miss her so much. But she loved you, Lord, and we thank you that she's with you now. And Father, we pray for anyone that might be here this morning that's just barely here, not even sure why they came. But God, we know and trust that you will speak good news into their hearts and lives. Take care of them, Lord. Be a good, good father to them. Oh, Jesus, thank you for hearing our hearts. Thank you for bringing us here and loving us so well. In Christ's name, we pray. This is the perfect moment to jump up and connect with the people that are seated near you. And for those of you online, greet each other in the chat line. Have fun. I know. Please join me again. I'm so glad that you're enjoying each other. We're going to continue in worship with some important things that we want to make sure that you know about this morning. So our director of student ministry, Bryce Lynn, is eager for all middle school students to know that the Loop Bible Study begins this Wednesday night at PDQ on South Dale Mabry, and you're going to want to be there. It starts at 7 p.m., and it's designed just for you. Friends, our church move is not a real estate transaction. It's that, but so much more. It has been a spiritual journey because God started this whole thing. So let's continue to demonstrate our trust and complete dependence on him by praying together every day at 7.07 a.m. and p.m. And I'm asking you to specifically pray for two things. One is please pray for our final phases of this exquisite journey to design everything. Also, please pray that the Lord would lead us as we look for an interim location and a permanent home for Matthew 25, our outreach to those who are homeless. I am confident 
that as the Lord has been so faithful in all the other details, he will be faithful in these things as well as we pray together. Because of you, I want you to understand that a lot of you knew and loved Susan Smith. Susan died about a year and a half ago. And Susan brought the joy of life and she brought her love for Jesus into every relationship and everything she did. So we are now able to have a celebration of life honoring her this coming Saturday at 12.30 p.m. right here in the sanctuary, followed by a reception at Oxford Exchange. Whether you knew Susan or not, you were touched by her sacrificial service and love for Jesus. I also want to assure you that because of each of you and the way that you have been trusting God with your financial blessings, that teenagers came to know Jesus for the very first time and others went deeper in their faith while attending Soma Camp just three weeks ago. Those teenagers' lives are forever changed and transformed because of your faithfulness in giving back to God. So here are five ways that you can continue to give and trust that God will do amazing things with your gifts.
Yeah, I thought I had it on. I guess I was so busy yelling, I didn't care. So just before we go to one more picture, just a couple of things about this. Kathy and I got a call at 6.34 p.m. The puck drops at 8. Do you think we said yes? So winners, huh? Winners, back-to-back winners. So, yeah, once again, yes, Stanley, huh? This is just unbelievable. I'm having a Stanley Club playoff shirt. So here's what happened after all of that. A few minutes later, out comes the cup. Oh, wait, before the picture, I just have to show you this. This is me holding the cup. And you're saying, how did you get to it already? It's 2004. I was in the building that night also. Huh? I'm luck. I'm good luck for the cup. Stanley lives here. Anyway, this is what happened next. They do this. This is a ritual in hockey. I don't know anything about hockey. That's Stephen Stamkos, the captain of the team, skating that baby around, and then they just kept passing it off. It goes on and on and on, this does. In the cup, some of you have already encountered it around town. It will be out and about for a while doing all kinds of unique things. I want to remind you of something. In 2019, the Lightning had the best record in the National Hockey League for the regular season. It's called the President's Trophy. And for the first time ever in the history of the NHL, the winner of the President's Trophy, that would have been us in 2019, got swept in the first round, 0-4. I hated hockey playoffs that season. It was terrible. I was just so grumpy. Well, anyhow, we're, we're talking about winners we're talking about people who were on top. It's Champa, isn't it? It's not Tampa. It's Champa. Think about it. When was the last time someone wins a Super Bowl in the same city wins the cup? Huh? How often does that happen? Not very. Am I excited about this or what? And so it's, it's a relatively shallow move, but I had to do it anyway to get from here to where we're going today because today we're going to talk about being winners Or put slightly differently, we're going to talk about what it means to be blessed. And here's the question we want to think about. How am I going to respond when I'm experiencing blessing? But let's pause just for a minute and remember a couple of things. And it's so poignant and powerful to me as Kathy prayed earlier. It is certain that in your life you're going to have overwhelming challenges. You're going to have difficulties. We're going to have pain. We're going to have unnavigable storms come into our lives. That is certain. But here is something that's even more certain. And that is there is no challenge. There is no pain. There is no difficulty. There is no storm over which Jesus Christ is not sovereign. He is sovereign. And if you have been thinking with us about onward and upward, which means onward means what happens is regardless of geography or circumstances, when we're attached, apprenticed to Jesus, we keep moving onward, forward. And somehow all those conditions God uses to shape our character so we can be more loyal as his servants, more capable as his servants. And so we're not saying it doesn't hurt, but we're saying God uses it. That's moving onward. But upward means this. As we move upward, we're drawn into the bigger picture of God's mega purpose in life, which is to bless every single human being on the planet with his presence. And so we get to participate in that. And when we go upward, we discover our part in God's big story. So yes, onward and upward. But for some of us right now, it doesn't seem onward. It seems backward. And it doesn't seem upward. It seems downward. And you hang on, and God will take care of you. And we've been watching this sequence back and forth, up and down, forward, backward, downward, upward. We've been watching it in the life of a man named Joseph. And Joseph is showing us how to do this. Back to the question. We're going to see today Joseph when it's going really well for him. And the question I want to ask us this morning is, how am I going to respond to being blessed. And when we say blessing, it's a religious sounding term. People say it all the time who don't even mean it religiously. But what we mean in this room, in the context of Christian thinking, what we mean is this. Blessing means God is present and God is shaping shaping every feature of our lives, our relationship, our church, our world, our community. Every feature. So God 
blesses us and then we flourish as human beings and all the important ways that human beings need to do well in order to flourish, that's what it means to be blessed. And so when we're the winners, when we're on top, how will we respond? Here's what I think happens. This is certainly true for me. When I'm in trouble, I can sense and feel an acute need for God. And so if you're in the ditches and you're dodging bullets, then you may keenly focus and be attentive and diligent about God, about your relationship with him, about prayer. But here's what happens to us. It happens to me. Hey, things are going pretty good. I'm doing well. And all of a sudden, I quit thinking I need God. I sort of drift away from the focus, from the diligence of being a loyal servant. Maybe you've experienced that too. Focused when you're in trouble and sort of, ah, hey, I got this. I'm doing well. Ain't I something? We don't want to make that mistake of thinking somehow that when we're blessed, we don't have a job to do. We do have a job to do, and that's what we're going to explore today. How can I respond so as to keep the blessing going forward? Because remember, that's the whole point. When God does good things in our lives, in our world, in our community, in our families, in our church, God does them so that we can use them for the sake of others. We don't keep it to ourselves. If we hold on to it, this is what happens. It rots. We can't keep it. We pass it through. And that's what we learn from what happened to Joseph in this next episode. Just to remind you, we're going to, Joseph, just a background. Joseph is the great-grandson of a man named Abraham. And God says, I'm just picking you, Abraham, and I'm going to make through you a great, big, huge, gigantic family. And then this family's job is going to be to bless every other human being on the planet. That's your job, Abraham. Have a big family. And then that family goes out and makes everybody else's families great. Abraham has a son, Isaac. Isaac gets the same job description from his father. And Isaac has a son, Jacob. And Jacob's same job. I'm supposed to get this big... That, that family, by the way, is the people of Israel, the Jewish people. That's who they are. They are meant to be God's conduit so that every single human being on the planet can be blessed. Blessed means what? It means God is present and God shapes and is every single feature of our life. So here we are. Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, Joseph. Joseph is the 11th of Jacob's 12 sons. He has a little brother, Benjamin. Benjamin's back home, but Jacob gets betrayed by his brothers. So here's what happens to him. He's onward and upward, and he gets betrayed, he gets captured, he gets imprisoned. He comes out on top in that imprisonment. But guess what? It happens again. He gets betrayed again. He gets captured again. He gets imprisoned again. He comes out on top in the prison. He's so good as a leader that Joseph, while imprisoned, unfairly, he is wrongly accused of attempted rape, rape by his boss's wife. And she tells her husband he tried to rape her. She believes that his, her husband gets Joseph tossed in the slammer. And, and Joseph is sitting there. Two years, two years later, the man who Joseph helped out who was in prison and gets out and gets back to the court of the king. The king is the pharaoh. Pharaoh, king means the same thing of Egypt. That man forgets about Joseph, even though Joseph had done him a large one. Joseph just took care of him. Joseph is languishing, drying out in the prison unfairly, un unjustly. That's okay. That pharaohs can do what they want to do. So here's the last detail before we read. Pharaoh has troubling dreams. And the man who didn't take care of Joseph, who had been in prison with him, says, Yo, Mr. Pharaoh, Mr. King, sir, I know somebody who can interpret your dreams. And Pharaoh says, Who's that? He says, Well, it's this guy Joseph. He's in the slammer, but he interpreted my dreams, and he's the only guy I know who can do it. When he interpreted my dreams, he was right. What he told you was, I was going to come back and work for you again, and the other guy that was going to come back, and he was a bad guy, and you were going to impale him. And that's what happened to the two guys who were in jail with Joseph. One gets impaled, the other's back working for the king again. King says, go get him. So that's where we pick up. Joseph interprets the dreams for the king. And the dreams are pretty simple. The dreams say this. The dreams say there's going to be a huge bon a bumper crop in Egypt, seven years' worth. But then there's going to be seven more years of famine. That's what's going to happen to you, Mr. King. That's what Joseph tells him. And here we go. Joseph suggests suggestions were well received by Pharaoh and his officials. So Pharaoh asked his officials, 
can we find anyone else like this man so obviously filled with the Spirit of God? Then Pharaoh said to Joseph, since God has revealed the meaning of the dreams to you, clearly no one else is as, is as intelligent or wise as you are. You will be in charge of my court and all my people will take orders from you. Only I, sitting on my throne, will have a rank higher than yours. Pharaoh said to Joseph, I hereby put you in charge of the entire land of Egypt. Then Pharaoh removed his signet ring from his hand and placed it on Joseph's finger. He dressed him in fine linen clothing, hung a gold chain around his neck. A little bling. Then he had Joseph ride in the chariot reserved for his second in command. And wherever Joseph went, the command was shouted, kneel down. So Pharaoh put Joseph in charge of all of Egypt. And Pharaoh said to Joseph, I am Pharaoh, but no one will lift a hand or foot in the entire land of Egypt without your approval. Then Joseph gave Pharaoh a new Egyptian name, Zaphonath Paneah. How'd that do? Pretty good? Yeah. There's more. He also gave him a wife whose name was Asenath. She was the daughter of Potipharah, the priest of On. So Joseph took charge of the entire land of Egypt. He was 30 years old when he began serving in the court of Pharaoh the king of Egypt. And when Joseph left Pharaoh's presence, he inspected the entire land of Egypt. As predicted, for seven years, the land produced bumper crops. During those years, Joseph gathered all the crops grown in Egypt and stored the grain from the surrounding fields in the cities. He piled up huge amounts of grain like sand on the seashore. Finally, he stopped keeping records because there was too much to measure. During this time, before the first of the famine years, two sons were born to Joseph and his wife, Asenath, the daughter of Potipharah, the priest of On. Joseph named his older son Manasseh, for he said, God has made me forget all my troubles and everyone in my father's family. Joseph named his second son Ephraim, for he said, Joseph, for he said God made me fruitful in this land of my grief. At last, the seven years of bumper crops throughout the land of Egypt came to an end. And then the seven years of famine began, just as Joseph had predicted. The famine also struck all the surrounding countries, but throughout Egypt, there was plenty of food. Eventually, however, the famine spread throughout the land of Egypt as well. And when the people cried out to Pharaoh for food, he told them, go to Joseph and do whatever he tells you. So with severe famine everywhere, Joseph opened up the storehouses and distributed grain to the Egyptians, for the famine was severe throughout the land. And this last line, and the people from all around came to Egypt to buy grain from Joseph because the famine was severe throughout the land. Joseph's wife, friends, betrayal, and, uh, uh, captured, imprisoned, back and forth, back and forth. He's on top now. He's a winner. He is the prime minister of the most powerful country in the world. And we want to watch how does he respond to the question we're asking ourselves, to experiencing blessing. How does Joseph handle it? And we want to handle it the way he does. Notice some details in the story. The first is to notice that Pharaoh makes him the prime minister. The second is you notice he said signet ring and robes and gold chains. These are what you wear if you're the, the chief officer. These are symbols as well as real things that officials would wear, the garb of the prime minister. Notice he gets a chariot. It's the biggest, blackest, hugest limo you ever saw in your life. So Kathy and I had the privilege of a long time ago, not sometime around this time, 
of, of going over to, I'm pointing this way to the east, to, to the uh, Habitat for Humanity project that our church and others built. And we're on a work site, and guess who shows up in a limo? The President of the United States. Secret Service everywhere. It was 90,000 degrees, but they had on long coats and long sleeves talking with guns buried, etc. The President of the United States limo pulls up and it had triple, quadruple steel on the bottom so bombs couldn't go off underneath it. I've seen these black, big black vehicles up close. You may have seen a motorcade when the President has been here in Tampa. You may have seen what that's like. That's what he gets. He's, he's treated as he should have been. You also notice this. I won't go over the name again. It's hard to pronounce. Joseph is given by the king of Egypt an Egyptian name. See, Pharaoh knows that Joseph is an, a Hebrew. And Joseph has learned the Egyptian language and speaks it fluently and leads fluently with it. But Pharaoh gives him an Egyptian name. And here's what the name means. You ready? Joseph's name means God has said, let him live. Pharaoh recognizes that somehow God has kept Joseph alive, and Pharaoh gives him an Egyptian name. That, that's what the name means. Pharaoh gives Joseph a wife, and that stuff about her being a daughter of the priest of On, that means she's from a very influential family. So he's made prime minister. He's given a new name that recognizes the fact that God wanted him alive. He's given a wife, and notice that he has two kids. Joseph has two kids, and now we're beginning to get some insight how to jo is, Joseph is handling what it means to be blessed. The first son he names Manasseh, which means God has given me the ability to forgive and forget all the betrayal and treachery that my family precipitated on me. Manasseh, I forgive them. God has given me forgiveness in my heart. You catch that? Joseph is not sitting back now saying, man, ain't I something? He sees all of this as a gift from God, and he names his children to suggest that. The second kid, the name means Ephraim. The name means fruitful. In other words, in spite of the challenges, the difficulty, the betrayal, the imprisonment, in spite of me being a long way away from all my people, he's down here in Egypt, and his people are up in, in uh, Israel. In spite of all that, God has made me fruitful in his purposes. Joseph is giving it all back to God in gratitude. We use names that way. My name is Walter Fitzjames Hendry Connor. That's an I in Hendry, not an E. I, had the, I was bold enough to name our firstborn son, Walter Fitzjames Hendry Connor, comma, Jr. Guess what he did? You know it. Fitzy three sticks. Walter Fitzjames Hendry Connor, comma, one, two, three. There's a fifth in our congregation, Quinn Rohrbeck, ain't he? You see, so we have families that do that, name people. It means something. So our names mean something to us. And in this culture, the names meant the kinds of things we said. God has given me the ability, Manasseh, to forgive all this betrayal. Wow, the only way Joseph could ever look his son in the eye and call him by his name, is to have really done the hard work of forgiving his family. Same thing with Ephraim. Even though none of this I would have picked for myself, to be so far away, I would have never made myself, none of it. I am being used by God with my gifts and talents. There's some fruitfulness about this. There's a really powerful point to be made from the last line that we read. It's chapter 41 of Genesis, verse 57. It says this, And people from all around came to Egypt to buy grain from Joseph because the famine was severe throughout the world. Now remember, Joseph was supposed to be a person who was in the lineage of the family who's supposed to bless every family on the earth. And look what has happened. They're all starving. And because of Joseph submitting himself to God's opportunities, God's responsibilities, Joseph does what he was asked to do in every situation, whether he's on top of things or in prison. And somehow there's food for anybody who can make their way to Egypt to buy it. All the families on the earth are being blessed. Why? Because Joseph was a loyal and submitted servant of the almighty king of the universe. That's what's going on here. That's why it's so powerful. 
a clever way of saying this is to say our setbacks are God's setups. God takes advantage of the opportunity in Joseph's character and integrity and faith, though Joseph is getting creamed by life, to get Joseph back roaring again in a new place that's way bigger. I'll, I'll just remind you of Joseph's responsibilities. He starts out as the sort of the COO of his family business. His brothers betray him. He gets thrown into prison in Egypt. He becomes the COO of the, of the whole prison system. He gets out of that jam, and now he's the prime minister of Egypt. Joseph keeps moving from lower to higher to higher levels of responsibility because he was so gifted. Never once does he back up and go, man, I'm bad. That's not what he does. He names his children in faithfulness, knowing that God is the one that makes it all happen. I would have gone off a long time ago, if I'm Joseph, and picked some path, and it just wouldn't have been the best path. I have done that in my life where I wanted it to go this way and it just didn't happen that way. And now I look back and I say, wow, am I glad. Am I glad that I didn't end up where I would have put myself had I had full control. I look back and I'm, I have gratitude. I think Joseph looks back and he has gratitude. So it's a, it's a practice that you and I want to, we want to engage in gratitude while it's going well as well as while, while it's not going so well. It's how are we going to respond to having a blessing? It's just simply not enough to receive the blessing. What Joseph does is he takes action. Joseph engages, takes action in order to fulfill the responsibilities he has as the prime minister. He's intelligent, he's responsible, he has integrity, he fulfills his duties with every ounce of energy he has. He works really hard at it. That's what Joseph does. And so we're left, you and I, with two or three kind of challenges. First one, you and I have to decide for ourselves when we're experiencing blessing, from where does the blessing come or from whom? If you experience sort of being a winner right now, if your things are going well, where did it come from? I mean this as an exercise that I want us to engage in. Because Joseph's example is, he was clear, it came from the God of the universe. What would your answer be if it wasn't from God, who we know in Jesus Christ? What would our answer be? Well, I, I don't know. Um, maybe we would say, some people would say, wow, I just got lucky. Or maybe somebody would say, fate I don't know. If you're wondering about whether or not Jesus is real, if you're wondering whether or not there is a God who made you, if you're wondering about whether or not that's really the source of your flourishing, your blessing, then I want to ask you to wonder even more and ask the question, God, are you really there? God will answer. If you're not sure about Jesus, one of the ways you can continue to work on is to say, where does all this come from in my life? Some people might even, they might not want to admit it, but some people might say, well, I'm the source. Obvious. I work hard. Yes, you do. I hustle. Yes, of course you do. two things I want to say about that. Of course we work hard. Joseph works really hard, but never once did he think of himself as the source. The other thing is, um, uh, kind of looking at it from the other side, if I say that I am the source, man, that's it. Let's just go fishing. Nothing else matters. So Joseph is an example of faith when you can't see and touch and taste and feel and smell it. He hangs on, and then when he's on top, he gives all the credit to God. When Joseph is blessed, he passes the blessing on, knowing who the source is, and he passes the blessing on to others, and God uses him in that way. So that's, that's a really important question, and maybe, it, maybe it's helpful for you right now to say, where, who's the source? What is the source for all of this goodness in my life? Another question I want you to ask yourself, I want to ask myself is, what's one thing right now in your life, or one person, one thing, something that's hindering 
your relationship with Jesus. Two things come to mind just sort of as examples. It could be some part of your life that you're hiding, that you don't want anybody to know about. And the thing that you're hiding keeps taking you off of Jesus. And if that's the case, admit it. Quit hiding. God already knows. Another way, I think, however, that, that could be that something's hindering us is that it could be a relationship that's just gone so sideways, so difficult, that I'm just angry and I'm hurt and I'm resentful. Or it could be, like we've already discussed, a, a difficulty, a pain, a storm. And what, what we know is that God just is begging us to just come into his presence and just wanting to be near Jesus pleases God's heart. It's not about your performance. It's not about our morality. It's not like getting it always right all the time. It's not about being a good person. It's about living in the presence. Remember the word blessing? I said it's the presence of God and God shaping every feature of our life. That's what God wants for us. God is way more interested in just hugging us than he, than he is uh, seeing how good we do so we can get a grade from him. In fact, that's not what he does at all. So what's hindering you? A, what's the source of your blessing? B, what is hindering you right now, maybe in your relationship with Jesus? And the third thing, like Joseph, take some action. If you can feel the blessing in your life, this is what happens. You bless somebody else. And someone has just come into your mind. Who is it in your life right now who God is nudging you to do something for, to care about, to pray for, to give something to, to help out, to ask how they're doing, to take them to lunch, to encourage them, to congratulate them, to put your arm around them if they're sad. Who is it that God wants you, having been blessed, to go now and be a part of someone else's life and, and play it into their life the way you've in, experienced the blessing yourself? Setbacks are God's setups. It's not always going to feel onward. It's not always going to feel upward. But I'm telling you what right now, we can trust that the almighty God of the universe is going to bless every nation on the earth through this family Israel because guess who's in the family? Jesus. This story ends on a high note. This story ends with an empty tomb. And that's how your story and my story finish with the sovereign God of the universe overcoming the most substantial difficulty, the deepest problem that any of us have, which is being close to him. He's, he fixed it with the resurrection. Allow me to pray for us. Gracious God, we want to use what you've given us in such a way as to make other people's lives flourish. And we mean that in every way, spiritually. We mean it physically, we mean it financially, we mean it, we mean it vocationally. We want to be a part of the way that you bless every family. And there's somebody right now in our life, some person in my life, and you want me to reach out, to extend to them, to initiate, to do something for them so that the goodness that I experience, that we experience, gets shared. And that's what it means to have a part in your big mega purpose, to bless every nation every family. Maybe there's somebody who doesn't know they're loved and I find a way to talk about how I know that I'm loved because of the life and the death and the resurrection of Jesus. Maybe they're waiting to hear me talk about why my life has meaning. Who knows? We know, however gracious God, that you are the source of all goodness. You're the source of life itself. We have nothing that you didn't first give us. Help us to give back to you and to others what it is you've given us. We celebrate, we sing, we give, we live, we make it through, onward and upward, because of you, Jesus. Amen. Friends, let me invite you to stand. Maybe the person is on your mind already. Go out there in God's world and love people really well. Having been blessed, you are a blessing. My God is able to save and deliver and heal. Or anything that he wants to Just ask the man who was thrown on the boat of Elijah If there's anything that he can do Just ask the soul that was thrown at the sea